My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. What's the difference between a speculative stock and a blue chip stock in the age of COVID? The whole market's being upended by the pandemic. The lines, they are shifting. Formerly rock-solid companies are now on dangerous footing. Formerly speculative outfits have become titans of emerging industries. Sometimes, though, it's pretty hard to tell the difference. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened today with the Dow declining 78 points. That's be advancing 0.50%, but most importantly, the Nasdaq with a record close of 0.95%. Allow me to explain through the prism of today's action. If you want to understand this market, the single most important fact is that new COVID cases are exploding. They're back above 40,000 yesterday, somewhere between 44,000 and record-breaking 48,000, depending on your source. And it really didn't matter to the averages. So why the heck didn't the stock market go into a tailspin? Our country has, hands down, the worst response to this pandemic of any nation on Earth. With a few notable exceptions, like Rhode Island, every level of government has dropped the ball. And it's not just the government. We keep dropping the ball as citizens, too. With our flippant approach to wearing masks and social distancing, we just don't believe, some don't believe, that this matters. Hey, listen, we don't have a lot of weapons against the virus. Let's use what we can do. Pandemic's out of control. After sacrificing so much to bend the curve of this virus, it's going exponential again. And our politicians are paralyzed because they don't want to go back into lockdown. They don't want to make make it illegal to go outside without a mask. What are you going to do? You have to arrest the president. This is a terrible situation for our country, isn't it? It's really bad for the economy as a whole. But incredibly, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad for the stock market. And this is bad money. Think of the stock market like a casino for a moment, unless you already do. When COVID cases spike, people don't cash in their chips and go home, do they? No, they go where the action is. They go where the hot tables are, the hot slots, the hot wheels. They follow that. First FedEx surged 12% today. It's a good place to start because it's a hot table. After a string of earnings misses, FedEx finally delivered a blowout quarter last night because of COVID. Somebody's got to deliver all these packages. Ground service was up 25% year over year thanks to e-commerce. U.S. residential volumes increased by a stunning 72%. I mean, the ripples are huge here. Just on this one call, you can buy Amazon, which was up 119 points. How about Kramer favorite Shopify, up 67 points. Craftsite, Etsy, other e-commerce facilitators, Adobe, Wix.com, Fastly, Salesforce. Most of these stocks were up between 4 and 6%, although laggers like Fastly, Adobe, and Salesforce only rallied 1% to 2%. Wow. Is this rank speculation? Actually, no. With those numbers from FedEx, everything related to e-commerce and the stay-at-home economy can roar. ServiceNow, Okta, CrowdStrike, Coupa, RingCentral, you name it. Netflix tackled on another 30 points today. Video games caught fire, too. Why not? Second hotter area, well, we got some great news from Pfizer. They're conducting human trials for the COVID vaccine, and so far everyone in the study has immunity. There's just 24 people. Pfizer's a serious no-hype kind of company, and the vaccine data sent that stock up more than 3%. If we can get a vaccine sooner than expected, that's used for vast swaths of the economy, although it's terrible for the smaller vaccine players, which is why they got eviscerated. FedEx and Pfizer are blue chips that spurred all sorts of high-flying stocks to become even more expensive, and with good reason. What else? How can I not talk about Tesla? It's a company I love. 
rallied almost 40 points today. This is now a $207 billion business, larger than Toyota, the largest car company on earth. Tesla, what, it makes 400,000 cars? Toyota makes 10 million? Uh, but the action of Tesla makes perfect sense if you view it as a technology company rather than an automaker. If you want to book some profit on this one, by the way, which I recommended 850 points ago, feel free. How about Facebook? Lately, a bunch of consumer packaged goods companies have pulled their ads because they don't want their products associated with hate speech. Today, though, Mark Zuckerberg said he's going to meet directly with the organizations leading the boycott. And more important, I think, he's bringing in a third party to gauge the company's commitment to doing the right thing. Bingo, stock rallied more than 4%. All these companies have compelling stories. If the stock market's a casino, these high-quality winners are like the blackjack tables. They're games of skill, not games of pure chance. You do the work, you study the fundamentals, you stay disciplined, and you can make money. Over the long term. However, there are also the super speculative names that feel more like the roulette table. Or maybe, you know what, they actually feel more like the scratch-off lottery tickets. that are some preordained winners and lots of losers. Let me give you some examples. You know what, why don't we call it the pick six? Because these are all classic lotto stocks. There are tons of single-digit names popular, say, on Robinhood. I can't mention them on air. Why? Too tiny. But even the larger ones, I find them worrisome. First, there's Workhorse. Workhorse is a bit of a show horse, if you ask me. This is a technology company that's focused on providing drone-integrated electric vehicles for the last mile delivery of cloud-based real-time telematics monitoring. Well, if that sounds impenetrable, you just think electric trucks. Does Workhorse make money? <laughs> you get it. It's losing a fortune! Sell, sell, sell. But who cares? Stock's up 5% for the year. It's got a tiny float, 73 million shares, 73. And it traded 123 million shares today. That's insane. A month or two ago, one or two million shares might change hands in a given day. Today it was 124 million. Yesterday, 165 million. The day before, it was 129 million. When I see Workhorse up another 10% today, much, much of the gain after the bell, I say, makes me nervous. But, hey, it could double. I mean, that goes. <laughs> double, cut in half. Hey, Scratch off, remember. Second, there's uh, NIO, NIO. Uh, it builds itself as a Chinese Tesla, though their uh, track record is a lot less impressive. NIO's up almost 100% for the year, and while the company actually has revenues, still losing boatloads of money. Goldman Sachs like it, I think. <laughs> Third, how about Tortoise Tortoise Acquisition Corp. Oh, yeah. Okay, this stock actually ended up losing 8% today, but only after an insane move over the past few days. Tortoise is a special purpose acquisition vehicle, a SPAC, that's in the process of acquiring Helion. That's another electric truck play. They make powertrain solutions. Tortoise acquisition was uh, worth a lot more than the hair. It was worth $10 before the Helion uh, news zoomed to 34 before pulling back to 25 today. Regular viewers know I'm a little worried about these red-hot SPAC deals, uh, but you know what? Uh, they give you a big pop uh, right out of the gate, then come back to Earth. Uh, for, you know, Twitter's kind of reminds me of number four, uh, Nikola. That's another SPAC play. Uh, they, they got into the electric truck space. You, you notice a common pattern here? Incredibly speculative. Nikola's got lots of truck orders, but it hasn't yet sold a, a, a truck. Stock pulled back 2%, actually considered a good sign. Uh, finally, we got a couple of vaccines. Uh, there's VBI vaccines. This is another one that got hit today because Pfizer's now leading in the race for COVID vaccine. VBI actually has a tiny bit of revenue, even though it's burning cash. I got to tell you, I don't like the early stage COVID vaccine plays. There's only room for one winner here, really. So the whole group's high, high risk. More than that tomorrow. And I, I do believe that there'll be a couple winners. But the, finally, there's my, maybe my favorite. Vaxart. Yeah, it's another vaccine developer. They make oral flu vaccines. See, Vaxart was picked up to be in Trump's warp speed COVID-19 project. And now the stock's up, up, I don't know, what, 2,100% this year. 
The darn thing just triples his hit. Yeah, it got hit hard today, though, because you don't want to be the next Inovio when Inovio is down 26 percent in one day. You don't want to be a, you know, a no-vaxxer. There are plenty of others just like these six. Everyone's hunting for the next Tesla or the next Inovio, or at least Inovio before today. Some of them are king for a day. Others just seem like mistakes. The bottom line, there's the same part of this market where high-quality stocks were because they benefit from the stay-at-home economy. Think about all that FedEx pin action. Then there's the crazy part of the market that's driven by rampant speculation, and that's a very different and ultimately, some would say, likely ill-fated story. But, man, they're having a good time over there. Ah, Peter Massachusetts, Peter. Booyah, Jim. Thanks for having me. Love the show. I'm a huge fan. Thank you, Peter. Trying to do some explosive stuff tonight. What's going on? So I don't hear you talk about REITs a lot, but I got a REIT for you today that hit an all-time high. We're talking data centers, that's video streaming and conferencing, gaming, e-commerce, 5G. There's just so much data, and it's all got to go somewhere. What's your take on Equinix? Equinix is a buy. It's a buy because the data center is huge, and that's the, probably the best run. Hey, how about we go to Chase in Texas? Chase. What up, JHL? Ah, the Jay Chill had to take a few uh, people down there the other day, but yeah, I had to chief them a little. What's going on? Hey, I uh, wanted to just give a big reminder to all the listeners. Please, please, please wear your masks. Thank you. All Thank right, you. chill. Uh, I know you like online retail. All I right. like online retail. We all like it as of late. I have owned this stock for a few months now and have already gotten to see it double. Uh, it's an e-commerce platform, and... Honestly, it has huge up to upside potential okay. because they're thinking differently about the way online shopping should be done. All right. What is my play for this Chinese surging stock, Pinduoduo? Well, I know it's red hot. Pinduoduo is red hot. Uh, you know, look, I'm an Alibaba guy because I got the financials there that I can understand. I totally get the uh, love affair of Pinduoduo, and I thank you for the kind comments. And yes, wear a mask. Lisa, Missouri. Lisa. Kramer, it's thank you very much for taking my question. Of course. I have a question for you. I'd like your opinion on Pologis. I'd like to start a position um, in a traditional IRA for the purpose of income. I'd like to treat the position like a preferred stock because Walmart and Amazon are large accounts of Pologis. Oh, Pologis is terrific. We have the board. I mean, uh, that's Hamid. Hamid is amazing. He just made me. Hamid was the, it was the first stock that came out of the Great Recession. It's just like, a, 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 I was going to say a bad out of hell, but that has to do now with the COVID thing. It's just a very good stock. Okay, look, there's the same part of the market. It's going up pretty good. And then there's an absolutely crazy part of the market that's driven by speculation. And if you want to be in that side of the casino, knock yourself out. But try to move over to the other side. It's better. Choose your side carefully. Oh, man, tonight, the big G beat the street as an at-home dro- uh, eating drove a jump in sales and profits. Hey, but with the stock dropping after support, is it in danger of losing its lucky charm? I'm speaking to the CEO of General Mills. He's top brass. Then with the rapid acceleration of e-commerce growth, is home where the spend is? I'm sitting down with CEO of Williams-Sonoma. Wow. And as bars and restaurants begin to welcome customers again and then close and then open and then ever, uh, well, we got to talk to Constellation Brands, which is Modelo and Corona. Could be worth considering. I'm talking with the CEO of 30, so stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com. 
or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. I was a Hawaiian punch guy, remember? And then you always want to give me a punch. Yeah, yeah. There it is. There it is. I'm sorry we can't do it in person. Remember, um, remember me? Guys, I, I wanted to hit... I do remember you. I'm going to come see you one of these days, too. <laughs> and maybe even get scarily close to you, so be careful. It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. As the pandemic makes a horrifying comeback across the Sun Belt, we need to circle back to the kind of stocks that worked during the first big outbreak in March and April. For example, with states gradually going back into lockdown, the packaged food plays their back. Now, just today, we got results from General Mills, an iconic household name, and a member of the Kramer COVID-19 Index. The company posted a great quarter with a resounding top and bottom line beat, 21% sales growth. But because management was a bit circumspect about the future, who wouldn't be and didn't bring as much to the sales of uh, the sales down to the bottom line? Well, the stock got dinged a bit, just a hair. Well, was that a mistake? Let's dig deeper with Jeff Harmon. He's the chairman and CEO of General Mills. To learn more about the quarter and his company's prospects. Jeff, welcome to Money. Thanks. Thanks for having me. We really enjoy being here. All right. So, Jeff, I'm telling you, I follow your company for, uh, I don't know, 30 years. I'm going to give I want to do a do over here. I think anybody that gains or holds share in nine out of 10 of their products who accelerates organic sales, who I think has come through and be able to produce everything without any supply chain problems is a hero. And the stock is inexpensive. So I'm giving it to you to say, tell me that I'm wrong. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you're, you're wrong. We, we had a good year going into the fourth quarter, going into the pandemic, especially on our North America retail business and Blue Buffalo, which our pet food business, which we were growing at double digits. And, and obviously, uh, during the, the last three months, our business really accelerated through strong execution. As you say, not out of 10 categories of share growth in the U.S., all of our categories growing share in Europe, six out of seven categories growing share in Brazil. So it was a really good quarter built on the back of three good quarters before that. Well, Jeff, also, uh, I know that you had balance sheet concerns at one point uh, that you had to address your your operating cash flow, which I don't think anyone focused on the call was magnificent. And your leverage is so much better than it was a couple of years ago. That's the thing I think I'm most proud of that. I'm not sure people fully appreciate. We, we tried to get to a net debt to EBITDA, EBITDA ratio of three and a half uh, times by the end of this year, we got all the way down to 3.2 times net debt to EBITDA, which brings us that much closer to get back to our normal capital allocation. And then our first priority there when we get to, to three times net debt to EBITDA will be growing our dividend again. And so it really is a big deal. Yes, our, our, uh, our earnings were good. Uh, but our cash flow was even better than our earnings, and we're really proud of that. Right. I mean, because I always regard you as the ultimate dividend growth stock, and I think it's going to come back, and you're now in position to do that. Let's talk about something else that I thought was magnificent. Uh, Blue, this was an acquisition that initially people say, well, maybe it was an overpay. But you have 13.3% uh, household penetration. You've got all channels going. We buy, candidly, we buy it uh, through Chewy. Uh, but this is be- this has turned into an acquisition that is really taking share from a lot of other companies. 
it's been a great acquisition for General Mills and it's been a great acquisition for our shareholders and, and all the pet parents. And it's every, Blue Buffalo is everything we thought it would be. We've grown at double digits two years in a row, including 18% uh, organic sales growth this year. We are growing share in the business and we've got some great innovation uh, lined up for next year. And so people treat their pets like family and we've been feeding uh, food to families for 150 years and now we're just feeding to furry members of the family. And so Blue Buffalo is everything we thought it would be two years ago when we, buy it, when we bought the business. When people are at home, they do two things. They have breakfast at home. They have cereal. It means they have Cheerios or something like it. And it means suddenly that they cook uh, Betty Crocker in Pillsbury. So both breakfast and dinner are growing nicely. Yeah, they're going really well. This year is our third consecutive year of sales growth in, uh, in breakfast cereal. This last quarter, cereal grew 26%. Um, and so we've had a good run on cereal and even a better run this last quarter. As you say, people have rediscovered that the kitchen is the heart of the home. And that's good news for Betty Crocker and Pillsbury. We have two of the top five food websites in the U.S. And traffic on those is up 100 percent as people are trying to figure out what they what to do with these new products they have in their houses. So it's been a really good run for our uh, for our baking and our meals business this last quarter. So talk to me about uh, just in general. I mean, for instance, Canada been a drag. Talk about some international because it looks like the international was another thing that I think people were getting upset about. Now it's pretty good. Um, it is good, especially our business in Europe turned around in the fourth quarter. We were the third fastest growing uh, CPG company in food in Europe during the quarter. Uh, we grew on uh, our yogurt business. We grew share on our bars business, Old El Paso and haagen double digits. And in, uh, and in Brazil, um, we also grew double digits in the last quarter. And so it's been a, it's been a really good business. The only parts of our business that, that struggled in the fourth quarter were, were some of our food service business, both here in the U.S. And, uh, and in China. But even there in the U.S., we, we took share. And so while we were down 28% in our food service business, the sector as a whole was down far more than that. So we competed really effectively even there. Yep, all of these are good. And we, uh, but we got to go over something else. At the top of your call... You did something that no one else has done. Uh, you mentioned the name George Floyd. You mentioned George Floyd's name twice. You mentioned Black Lives Matter, not just that we have to help minorities. Now, you are from Minneapolis. We all read these stories. These are stories of tragedy and stories of import. What is uh, General Mills's role in Minneapolis and around the country and the world to try to make things better? Well, many... Uh, uh General Mills does have a role, and we obviously can't do it by ourselves, and we can't address racism by ourselves. Neither can business in general. It has to be a combination of business, working with politicians, or working with the community altogether. General Mills has doing, been doing that for decades here in the Twin Cities. We, we sponsor the MLK Breakfast every year for the last 30 years, and so we're proud of what we have done. But if you look at the education gaps or the police reform that's needed or healthcare gaps, it's clear that we have a lot more to do. And as a company, the strongest thing we have going for it is our culture of inclusion. And that's the reason why we've done so well this last quarter and this last year is because we get the best ideas from everybody and everybody has a seat at the table. If you look at our board, if you look at our senior leadership team, it's a very diverse group and we really value that. And so the, you know, the, the recent events in Minneapolis have been, uh, have been really tough and now is the time to step up and act. And we think that we need to be part of the solution along with others. And it's not just acting. You, obviously, uh, there's been tremendous food shortages because we're in a uh, terrible recession. People need food. And uh, General Mills answers the call. We did. We, we donated $10 million worth of, uh, of cash and in-kind product donations in the last quarter of this year. Um, you know, and in a, when you come to a pandemic, you, you really need to take care of all your stakeholders. And so we've taken care of our employees. We've kept them safe. 
We've taken care of the community by responding to, to acts of racism as well, well as uh, food insecurity. And we've taken our care of our shareholders with good results. And I think those things all work hand in hand. So, well, look, I just got to commend you. I, I think people you need to know this from your successor and from many years. General Mills has always been one of the, one of the most charitable companies. And everyone knows Minneapolis. It's, I remember Peace in the Times. What is it with Minneapolis that all the companies always care? General Mills has always cared. And you're, you're a great steward of that, Jeff. Great to, great to see you again. Thank you so much. And uh, we, we've had great leadership here in the Twin Cities for a long time. And uh, thanks for have me on your show. You sure have. That's Jeff Harmoning. Hey, listen, uh, this is, he's chairman and CEO of General Mills. It's very rare that you get a chance to buy this stock when it's down. And when it is, you take it. We have money's back at the break. With the new COVID outbreaks in the South and Southwest, we need to accept that most of us will still be stuck at home, probably for the rest of the year. And when you're stuck inside, you got a powerful incentive to do some home improvement. Which brings me to William Sonoma, the furniture and housewares retailer. You might also recognize his West Elm Pottery Barn. Here's a company with a powerful e-commerce business and tons of terrific products that have suddenly become essential. That's the reason William Sonoma has nearly tripled from its March lows. They may be the best omnichannel retailer in America. So can the stock keep working its way higher? Let's check in with Laura Albert. She's the president and CEO of William Sonoma. Get a better sense of how our company's doing. We're headed to Ms. Albert. Welcome back to Man Money. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Jim. Okay, so Laura, tell me how you did something that I think is almost impossible to do. You had positive comparable store sales, even though all all of your 616 stores were closed for more than half the quarter. Yeah, we entered Q1 with strength across all of our brands following a strong end of 2019. And when the pandemic hit, we maximized our abilities and and leaned into um, online and virtual design services. And we found new ways to engage and serve our customers during the pandemic. And really the acceleration, I think, in our e-commerce business that followed our store closures demonstrates the power of our digital first model and the relevance of our high quality, sustainable products and loved brands. But the thing that I'm most proud of, of all about our results is that we took care of all of our stakeholders. And when I say that, what I mean is that we paid our all of our scheduled associates um, who were scheduled over 12 hours during the whole time through the store closure period. And this was a decision we made because they're so valuable to us and they were able to find new ways, as I said earlier, to stay engaged. And what we're seeing now is incredible gratitude from that group as our stores reopen and excitement and engagement. Um, the other thing that we did is we, we supported relief efforts in communities um, from food to masks um, to furniture that we gave away. And lastly, we were able to continue and maintain our quarterly dividend to our shareholders. I, I hope people at home understand that this was one of the few who kept the employees. Remember, the stores are closed. So your employees in some of these places are regarded as dead weight loss. That's not how you regard them. I mean, you regarded them as you invested in them. You are doing some investing yourself. Uh, I'm seeing extraordinary numbers, for instance, Pottery Barton children. I mean, I'm ready to talk West Elm, but this Pottery Barton children up 8.5 percent. How is that possible? How is that reinvented? You know, the kids team has um, really been focused on new customer growth. Last year, they launched uh, the West Elm Potter Barn Kids collaboration and a modern baby line. And we've seen really strong growth in our baby business, which is the entry point to the children's businesses. 
And then also, believe it or not, we've seen strong growth in our dorm business, even though there's a lot of uncertainty about whether people will go back to school. Our dorm business has been quite strong. So we're, we're driving new customer growth. Um, we also, in kids, were very forward in our sustainability efforts, and we had converted a lot of our products to GreenGuard. And, and um, we could see that the customer really cares about that. Um, in fact, we, we, just, we know that 70% of customers are um, saying that sustainability is one of the uh, very important things that make their product choices happen. Yeah, uh, you've got a, in the deck, you've got a terrific thing, 50% market, highly fragmented, 80% e-commerce adoption, while everyone else is underpenetrated. And I guess, again, increasing focus on sustainability, 70% of consumers value that. There are so many trends that you are in the heart of. Laura, I don't know, we could do urban to suburban. We could do out of the, out of China. You're doing that. But you know what the most exciting one? You can, we could do a home office. The most exciting one that I've seen of late, bread maker ice cream machine. People are making bread again. People are making desserts again. This is Williams-Sonoma's sweet spot. We love it. You know, and the other thing that's so exciting is the millennials are learning how to cook. And, you know, they were the famous people to go out for their avocado toast, and now they're making it at home. And what we know about that is that, like any other hobby, once you start doing something, you tend to spend more and more money on it. And so this is just the beginning. I know people will go back out to restaurants when they open, but they're also going to know a lot more about their food and enjoy cooking it at home. So this, we don't see this just as a short-term trend. We see it as a long-lasting um, uh, uh, tailwind for our business. And as you said, Jim, there's a lot of secular trends that are highly supportive of our business right now, from the interest in the home to the interest in cooking to the e-commerce acceleration, you know, the fragmented market and focus on sustainability. Well, let's talk about retail brick and mortar for a second. You are closing stores. You're rationalizing your fleet. You have a lot of leases that are up. You have a lot of leverage. You're even getting reductions in rent. When I hear these things, I say, wait a second, you're the best at Omnichannel. How much do you really need in a standalone mall, given the fact that you're, you're incredibly lucrative when it comes to virtual reality, when it comes to ordering things right to your house? Stores really are a competitive advantage. We don't need as many. We never got overstored, but we don't need as many as we have now. And we have a very disciplined process of looking at our store fleet. And so it's a combination of, you know, was the landlord great to us during the pandemic? Are they great partners? Is the mall a great location? Where's the other store next to it? But our people in our stores are the secret weapon. And we've seen this through the pandemic, whether they're in the store or working from home, they're the ones that really help you furnish your house. And we get a lot of big projects now. So people do like to come sit on things, look at the fabric. We learned how to do more and more of that online. And in fact, that 3D business that we bought a couple of years right. back has really sure. paid off now because that helps people imagine what things look like when they're in their homes. But there's nothing like sitting on a sofa. And the experience of our stores is very memorable. I think it's Pavlovian. You walk by a Williams-Sonoma and you, you think, you know, peppermint bark. And so that's not going to change anytime soon. It's just that e-commerce will be the growth driver. All right. Finally, I've got to ask you, you're a pioneer in trying to be able to shift out of China. You do have some tariffs uh, that, are, that hurt your bottom line, but you've been inventive. Where are you going to get that new merchandise made? And how quickly can you uh, continue that pace out of China? Yeah, so... About 10 years ago, we started, um, we, we walked away from an agent structure and we started sourcing ourselves. And we have a lot of people 
all over the world working for us. And we're very close to our vendors and that's a, a huge advantage. Um, we do design most of our products ourselves as well. So we're, you know, we, there are designs and we can move them. China is still an important part of our sourcing strategy. We have great Chinese partners. However, we had too much in China and the tariffs were big numbers. Um, the first half of this year actually was the hardest in terms of comping those tariffs in the back half. We're not up there the same as they were last year versus having them and not having them last year. But regardless, we've moved over half of our business out of China. We've moved a lot of our upholstery business to America. We've moved um, things to Indonesia, to Vietnam. And India has always been a very strong um, supplier country for us. Well, look, Laura, I want to congratulate you again. You do have the best Omni channel. Nobody could have positive comps if you didn't. And, uh, and But really, what you did with your employees is really special. That really matters. That's, 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 All right. that's what we're yeah, that's, Thank you, Jim. That's what you'll be remembered for, Laura, not just the great comps. That's Laura Albers. She's the president and CEO of Williams-Sonoma. What a stock. What a management. Stay with Kramer. Every now and then, this business is nice and straightforward. Three months ago, when COVID-19 sent the whole country into lockdown, we checked in with Constellation Brands, STZ, the beer, wine, and liquor company with a cannabis kicker. You probably know them as Corona, Medella, maybe Pacifico. A lot of people were worried that they'd take a huge hit because all the bars were closed, but Constellation made it crystal clear they're doing fine. If anything, the retail business, well, it was more than made up for the, uh, for the food service business. I've got to tell you, uh, people buy beer at home. <laughs> Since then, the stock's been a juggernaut, including a monster 6% gain today after Constellation reported another phenomenal quarter. While their sales were only in line, listen to this, the company earned $2.30 per share. Wall Street was only looking for $2.01. Not many beats going around these days. Could the stock have more room to run? Let's check in with Bill Newland. He's the bankable president and CEO of Constellation Brands. Get a better read on the quarter. And what comes next? Mr. Newlands, welcome back to Mayo Money. Thanks, Jim. Good to be here. All right, so, Bill, what could you have done since this was a blowout quarter if you could actually get all the beer that you needed out of Mexico? Well, certainly we had a bunch of headwinds, but that uh, that didn't stop us from having a pretty good quarter. As you know, we're a little under-indexed in the on-premise, which was off about 75% in the quarter. But when you grow almost 20% in the uh, off-premise arena, you, know, you have a pretty good quarter, which we did. Well, I'm glad you went there because you know that they are closing the bars again around the around the country. There's just too much crowds and not enough social distancing. Uh, And uh, people are going to say, well, that must hurt Constellation. But in reality, that is uh, not a way to look at it. It's not. Um, What what you said earlier is true. A lot of people move their consumption from the on premise to the off premise in these typical types of environments. So and, and that works to, to some degree to our advantage because we are overrated, overweighted in the uh, off-premise arena. So it actually works pretty well for us. And as you saw in the first quarter, we performed extremely well in that particular channel. So now I go home and I see billboards for Corona hard seltzer. And it looks like the initial returns are pretty amazing. They have been. Uh, we, to date, we've shipped over three and a half million cases well on our way to roughly 10 million cases in this fiscal year. And it's gone extremely well. Almost 90% of it to date has been incremental to our business. Uh, We are the number four uh, seltzer and variety pack already. Uh, We've got almost a 65 uh, ACV share 
uh, and it's growing every day. We're just scratching the surface, and we think the ceiling's pretty high. So which, can you meet the demand? I mean, you know, there are very few people who come on the show, and they're having trouble meeting demand, Corona Medell, having trouble. It, it, can you make that much seltzer? Uh, we can. Uh, we're going to make roughly 10 million cases this year, which is about the amount that we can for this fiscal year. And we think that's roughly going to be about what the demand is. So we think those will be pretty well balanced. In the meantime, pretty interesting, this empathy deal that you made. Uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who I've been, I've been on his show. He's from around, right around the corner from me. Uh, uh, right. online, online is the way to go. Uh, can it be meaningful for the bottom line? Well, we think it can. One of the things that's happened during the pandemic is a radical increase in three-tier e-commerce and in direct-to-consumer. And I think Gary's done an excellent job with his brand of, of approaching the entire business that way. So we hope we not only can leverage that particular business, but also learn a lot and apply it to other brands within our portfolio. That is going to be the way. When we talk to consumers, they tell us they continue to plan to buy direct a lot more often than they did before the pandemic. Right, so, Bill, you're a tough numbers guy. Uh, I know you were not happy with Canopy. I know you put your man client in there as a tough guy. Uh, how quickly do you think you guys can turn that around? Because I know you still got the best capital, but some of these other guys were uh, were pesky in that category. And I felt I felt that you could dominate it. Can you still? Uh, yes, we think we can. We're still the best capitalized business. David has already created a much leaner structure that's that's really set up to win. And most importantly, and you and I have discussed this before, uh, beverages is going to be a game changer. The work that Canopy has done to put out outstanding tasting products with virtually no calories, um, it's really going to be a game changer. And, and no one is better positioned than Canopy to win in beverage. I have to tell you that I was thinking maybe you have to tell people, help people with politics. I don't do politics, but if the Democrats swept, the stock that you want is Constellation because we'll be drinking that beer in all 50 states rather quickly. Certainly, we think if the uh, if there's a change of administration uh, during the next election, that would certainly be advantageous relative to legalities uh, for cannabis. All right. Now, there are two issues I want to talk about that I think are important. One is your decision to put a hold on Facebook. I think they're trying now, but I want to know what it means to you. And then you made a decision to invest in the community, invest in the African-American community, not write a check. But to invest. Why, why are you going that way? One of the things that we realized is that the African-American community in particular has been underserved relative to capital. As an example, the African-American population is roughly 13 percent of the total population, but gets only about one percent of the venture capital. Our view was this was a great way to provide some of that seed capital over a course of a number of years to encourage some of these smaller businesses that really have had a tough time having access to capital. Our view is it could be a great win for, for them and a great win for our company. And the decision to suspend Facebook, could you go back to Facebook if they uh, made amends? So what we choose, chose to do was we've suspended our engagement with Facebook for the month of July. And we're going to have an overview of our entire approach uh, to digital advertising and to make sure that all of our media partners meet the commitments that we have to racial equality and social justice. And, and Facebook will be one of those. And if they do the kinds of things that we think are appropriate, we would certainly consider going back. Uh, but we're going to expect 
uh, all of our media partners to meet the standards that we have for ourselves. Uh, are there enough uh, media partners without sports? I'm used to seeing your ads when I watch football games. Well, one of the reasons that we, we advertised less during the first quarter is there just wasn't the kind of live uh, sports and, and other live activities that we're used to seeing. And we're being very judicious, but we're ready. We expect to continue to advertise. Um, one of the things we always see in prior recessions are the people that invested in their brands and continued to do so during recessions always came out the other side in a much better space. And we're going to do that. Obviously, with the NBA starting, with baseball starting, you're going to start to see some of these uh, live events and live sporting events available to us again. And, and we're looking forward to getting back in front of the consumer more often. Well, terrific. And congratulations on what could have been a tough quarter. It wasn't. Instead, it was a great one. That's Bill Newlands. Always great to see you, sir. Thank you. Good to see you. Bill's president and CEO of Constellation Brands. Think about all the things that can go right now. And the stock is still down a lot. I want you to stick with Kramer. I want you to stick with my friend Scott Wapner. Here's a peek of what he has on tonight. Tonight at 7 p.m. Will some health precautions be here to stay? One personal travel company weighs in. Plus, how some business owners in East Austin, Texas, are coping with the resurgence of the virus. And which masks are the most effective? All tonight at 7 p.m. with Scott Wapner. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, come to the lightning round. Because we're going to go with Zach in Texas. Zach! Hey, Jim. How's it going? All right. How about you, Zach? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, it's awesome to be on, on the lightning round. Thanks so much. Oh, I'm you're a huge fan. Yeah, your reach with retail investors is astounding. I have friends in my online community. And uh, on that note, a big booyah to Wall Street bet. And that's Street with a K. These guys will cite you every single day, Jake. I'm glad you started straighten that out with a K. What's up? <laughs> uh, so my question is about um, the Micron uh, ticker MU. Yeah, the stock shouldn't have been down yesterday, Zach. That was crazy. I think it's a great opportunity. Maybe get a 48 would really be a steal. Jeff, uh, Jeff in California. Jeff. Yeah, hey, Jim. It's Jeff from downtown L.A. Thank you so much, Jim, for your years of hard work and really incredible stock recommendations. About well, two you. months ago, Jim. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, about two months ago, Jim, you raved about Shopify, the 2Ds, DocuSign, and Datadog, and Zoom, of course. And they're killing it, man. I just love they it. Are, they are doing every it. Day. They're, in the right, they're, they're in the right direction. I got to admit that. What's up? Yeah, the stock I'm calling about has been on a tear, Jim. It's gone up 349% in one year. It's up 162% in just three months. It's setting all kinds of records. The stock is called EverQuote. Yeah, it's, it's another point. There's a lot of these companies that well, all they do is they get to the lowest price uh, in insurance, and people just, they love these companies. I'm not going to fight the tie. Let's go to Michael, and thank you for the kind words. Let's go to Michael in Georgia. Michael. Hi, Jim. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. Would you would you buy MRVL now, or would you wait for a better You got to wait. I mean, I've been telling people, no, this is a big hit for ActionAlertsPlus.com. It's our favorite 5G play. It just went up. It just went up 12 points. I, I can't I, I, I can't count this buy right here. Let, let, it, let, let it come back a little. Let's go to Josh in New York. Josh. Jim, big-time fan, long-time viewer. My Excellent. question is about Calithera. I recognize it's a spec, 
It's his back anti-tumor play. You know I feel about those. I'm blessing them for a little bit of money only. For a little bit, but I'm not going to go against it. That one is fine. Not great. Let's go to Jared in Wisconsin. Jared. JC. Monster Booyah from Bruce City. And I know you cleaned up on the Belmont Six. Booyah Ponies. And Booyah Jenny Lowry. I love her. My question is, Madonna Operation Warp Speed. Is Madonna yeah, well, they're like on Warp brick? Speed, but they dump stock at Warp Speed. And I, I, I don't like that. Uh, it, you know, look, maybe they hit it, maybe they don't. But the RNA that I'm betting on is the Pfizer RNA. Let's go to Daniel in California. Dan. Jimmy Chill. Yeah. Just want to thank you. Yeah, just want to thank you for all that you do for the millennial investor. Uh, uh, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Shout out to Amir, Danny, and all the physicians on the front line helping out the battle against oh, COVID. Oh, no kidding. My God. And they're just busy now in all parts of the country. What's up? So, Jim, I was wondering what your thoughts are on BlackRock. BlackRock's a buy. Better than two and a half yield. Stock bounced big after PNC dumped its shares foolishly. And I think Larry Fink's good. <laughs> we're making one more call. We're going to. Oh, that's it. Oh, we're so done. It's scary. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. You want to know a major reason why this market keeps turning higher, even though COVID cases are spiking to new daily highs and unemployment still at ridiculously high levels, although, of course, we hope it goes down when we see the number tomorrow. Well, then, let's take a look with Carolyn Broden. She's that brilliant technician who runs the FibonacciQueen.com website, also happens to be my colleague at RealMoney.com. We need her. We need a charge to get a better sense of what's happening in the major averages right now. Broden thinks we could have even more upside here, even though it's in the face of a tough backdrop. Now, the last time we spoke with her was about six weeks ago, and she laid out some very bullish targets for the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq 100. Let's start with the Nasdaq, because this tech-heavy index was, a, was able to close at a record high today, though it's still down roughly 300 points from Broden's price target, so maybe there's room to run here. When you look at the daily chart, and remember, she's a fib queen, when you look at the daily chart, the Nasdaq 100 has been an absolute champ. What a chart. It's above the 200-day moving average, which is the one that's in pink. Well, well above that. And the 50-day moving average, well, another one that is just it's so far away. It's great. One of her favorite buy triggers, the five-day exponential moving average versus the 13-day, is in bull mode with a five-day on top. And that's been the case since early April. And following that buy trigger, it has given you some huge gains. I'm going to always see this line above. Okay, you want that blue on top. What else? At this point, the Nasdaq 100 is giving you almost a perfect picture chart. It's got a bullish pattern of higher highs and higher lows. Its price keeps holding above the most recent low, which was set on June 15. Most important, every time this thing pulls back, Broden points out that the decline has been similar in both price and duration to the last few sell-offs since the bottom in March. These corrections last for one to four trading days, and as long as this pattern holds, she could see the NASDAQ 100 rallying, I'll just say it, another 200 to 400 points from here. And if we can clear that hurdle, Broden wouldn't be surprised if we saw 11,568. That's the next stop, up roughly 1,200 points from here. As long as the bottom in late March holds, she thinks we are in an uptrend. Yeah, she likes the NAS. All right, the thing about the NASDAQ 100 is it's a tech-heavy index that can keep winning even in the middle of a major virus outbreak like we have. Why not? There is a ton of overlap with the Kramer COVID-19 index. 
What about the weekly chart of the more broad-based S&P 500, which doesn't have a lot of Kramer-COVID overlap? Here, Broden's feeling less sanguine. Six weeks ago, she told us that the S&P could travel to 3280. Okay. So we thought we could get to right about here as part of a thousand plus point rebound off its March low. And we came very, very close, tantalizing to that level in early June. The S&P climbed to 3,233, right below her target. Then the rally fizzled and the index got slammed by the resurgence of the pandemic in the South and Southwest. That was an important hurdle for Broden, and the S&P failed to clear it. Her next price target is 3,720, okay? Uh, and that would represent a new all-time high if it got there. Uh, but she can't feel confident in that target until we break out above 3,280, all right? Given that we failed to break through that resistance, she's worried about potential downside risk here. When you zoom in, on the S&P 500's daily chart, the picture is even, quite frankly, less encouraging. While the index is still above its key 50-day and 200-day moving averages, as expressed by the uh, green and this, I don't know, short truce, what do you want to call it? Uh, remember, Broden's favorite trigger, the 5-day and 13-day that we talked about that was so good on the NAS. Uh-uh, this, this average crossover is not working. In fact, it's embarrassed territory, with the 13-day above the five-day, suggesting that the momentum is headed in the wrong direction. For the Fibonacci queen, this is typically a warning that we could see lower prices. Now, this moving average combo had been in buy mode from April 6th through a few days ago. Just like with the NASDAQ, if you took your cue from this trigger, you would have had a fabulous rally. But now the trigger says, hey, maybe it's time to sell. Of course, that doesn't mean abandon all hope. She's not saying the S&P 500 is doomed. We get a little rally going and the 513 trigger will turn bullish again. If the S&P can do that and then take out last week's highs up about 40 points from here, then Broden thinks we can resume the recent rally. In that case, she says the S&P could uh, attack on another 200 to 300 points from these levels. Long term, she still believes we're headed for uh, 3720. Still her goal. It's a 19% gain. Sure want to stay long for that, right? But short term, the S&P could be approaching a make or break moment. If it can't break through last week's highs at 3,150, black line, okay? Broden thinks you need to prepare for pain because the near future could get ugly, despite what happens with the NAS. Put it all together, the charts as interpreted by Carolyn Broden suggest that things are looking brighter for the tech-heavy NASDAQ 100 than the more broad-based S&P 500. The NASDAQ is a juggernaut. But she's worried about the S&P. It could be faltering here. Just keep that in mind. This new outbreak is great news for the NASDAQ just like it was today, a huge record break because it's got so many Kramer COVID-19 plays. But it's bad news for the S&P 500, just barely up at all, and very bad news for the country. Stay with Kramer. All right, let's review some of these. General Mills, you're getting a break here because now they have the balance sheet to be able to go back to the old General Mills way. Take and share. Add numbers, and then best of all, give me a better dividend. William Sonoma, best omni-channel story that there is, and Constellation Brands. Let's say that you believe that there's going to be a Democratic sweep. Well, you just found a stock that probably goes up 100 points. Why? Because they got the best-tasting cannabis beer, and uh, nobody else seems to have that. Could be a shortage. Like I said, there's always a bull market somewhere. I promise I'll find it just for you right here on Man Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.